Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the home of time. It is now quite a day for local sport from your local team. This is Charlton Live. So good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. My name is Louis Mendes coming at you live here from our studio in the Valley. Uh, joining me in the studio, Mr. Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Good. Yeah. Very good. Still yep. no sign of Nathan? No, no. Right. Hopefully still, next week, we think. Still in married bliss somewhere. Uh, somewhere hurricane related. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe it. not that much bliss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so on tonight's show, of course, we're going to, like I said, uh, look forward to Saturday's game with Berry because it is the big match preview. There's plenty of other stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about Nicky Ajozo, the Charlton striker who's currently on loan at Berry because Carl Robertson sort of gave an update on his potential future with the club during today's uh, press conference. We're going to find out what happens if you ask Carl Robertson a silly question uh, and uh, you'll see why. Uh, Kent Senior Cup action. The club were in that last night down at Welling. We're going to hear from Jason Yule after Naby Sarr's late goal uh, saw us through to the next one. 1-0 one win against a 10-man. Welling. We're going to go back to 1996 for wish, uh, 1995 even for which we were there. Uh, chat about the women because they got a good uh, win during the week. We're also going to hear from Scott Minto. Now you would have heard a clip of him of my interview with him on Sunday show at the Legends game. We've got an even longer sort of excerpt from that because uh, it was actually a really good a nice little chat. So we're going to hear a bit further of that and then look ahead like we say to the Berry game I'm hearing from uh, Carl Robertson's press day today. But like we say, um, before we uh, go into uh, Saturday's game with Barry, people are obviously thinking, oh, hang on, Nicky Ajozo's there. But he obviously he's not legible to play because it's against us anyway. He's on loan from us. But um, I was looking at his... Uh, I was just looking at his, his stats, and he hasn't actually played for Berry since August the 26th. So to put that in context, that's when we were beating Rotherham. So that's how far ago that was. Now, um, anyway, uh, Nicky Ajozo was brought up in today's press day. Uh, by Jake Bacon from the News Shop. Let's go hear what Carl Robinson had to say about Nicky Ajozi and about the future of him and about why he left the club in the first place. I'm a charm player playing for uh, Barry this season, Barry this season, uh, Nicky Ajozi. Uh, are you still surprised that he chose to leave, that he wanted to leave? Well, he chose to play goal because he felt like he wanted to play games. And that's something you couldn't guarantee? I told Nicky Ajozi on the Friday before he left stage one of um, Ireland. I said to me, two weeks have been excellent. I'm looking for a number nine to compete with Josh to score goals. Completely different to Josh. Not the same, but different to Josh. And up to now, he's been excellent. And he came back on the Monday and told me he wants to go to Bury. So that's as simple as it is. That's as simple as it is. There's no hard with it. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And does he still have a future at the club? I'm not going to answer that. Okay. Is that because you don't know what he's... Don't know whether I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> um, no, um, it's a. Uh... No, I know the answer. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to say. So there you go. Carl obviously being very sort of cagey about his mm. future coming up. Now, what do you think about that? I mean, I mean, there's two or three trains of thought here. I mean, obviously, uh, he said it was up to the player that he left. Um, you know, and now with hindsight, with our lack of strikers, are we thinking, well, maybe that's a bad idea? Or was, I mean, was he ever the, the right man for us in the first place? Um, I don't know about not the right man, but I think given our style, it it just hasn't seemed to have worked out. I think it's an easy excuse now. You know, if we, especially coming off the back of uh, is it two games that we haven't scored, um, yeah. to say, you know, oh, if a Jose was here, we'd be fine. But I think realistically, he wasn't doing the business for us anyway. Um, I personally was one that wanted to see him get a bit more time. I think, okay, he had a couple of penalties or goals in games that weren't so important, but he, his goal record wasn't as bad as perhaps people are quick to criticise You know how he was here. Um, I think I can't remember exactly what it was. It wasn't one in two, but it, it was okay. Um, but I think realistically, especially when Carl arrived, he was never going to fit into the formation. 
it doesn't sound like Carl's too keen to keep him here. But as you alluded to at the start, you know, bury a second bottom. I think they haven't won since the opening day and he's not getting in that team. So what does that say about him anyway? We've said before he had that good season at Swindon before he came to us. But aside from that, his goal record hasn't been that impressive anywhere. So, you know, I, I like the guy. I, I wanted him to do well here. It, it's nothing personal, but I just don't think he really fits in with, with our plans. But now looking at, like I say, where we are, we've, we've got McGuinness and we've got Dodi. There, there are two strikers. We've got Kang, can play up there. Um, I mean, I mean, just in terms of pure competition, would he would he have added something else to it, or is it just because I mean, his work off the ball would mm. he left a lot to be desired when he was here last week. I mean, having an extra body there, you know, helps and adds that healthy competition. You know, you you don't go down. Well, maybe you do go down as far as putting you or me on the bench. You know, having an extra player who can be a striker is obviously a benefit, even if it's Nikia Jose who doesn't necessarily fit the formation and hasn't been you know outstanding for us. So, oh, that would be better. Um, you know, if if it was in a perfect world, well, if it's perfect, obviously, name all sorts of people. But in a ideal situation, we would have got another striker in in January, uh, sorry, in the summer, and so we'd had three competing strikers. I don't preferably wouldn't. None of those would have been a Jose. Back up to that, I would have liked to have seen him stay to offer that extra option. Um, but no, I think look, McGuinness is always going to be our, our number one striker at the moment. Dodu so far hasn't. I would say hasn't really had chance to show what he can offer. Um, Carlin has looked okay this season and I think deserves his opportunities where where possible. Uh, again, I would like another striker in there. Uh, personally, I would prefer someone else to a Jose. Could a Jose have been a backup? I suppose so. But I think between what it sounds like they, they chatted about in Ireland and, and from the press conference here, it just doesn't sound like it was going to work out. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, he would have offered something very different to, yeah. to Josh, and we we sort of talked about over the last few weeks. Sometimes when you know when Josh has an off game, which happens, and we arguably had an off game on on Saturday at Gillingham, where the keeper was man in the match. Still, I mean, mm. it, it would have been nice to have a different option, a different type of player off the bench, I guess. Yeah, and we've talked about our plan B a lot, um, and, and the fact, you know, I, personally, I don't see that we have a plan B at the moment, which leads me to think even if we had a Jose there, we'd be putting him in in that same role and therefore not benefit benefiting from it. I think if we had a plan B where we were going to go 4-4-2, where he was going to be buzzing around McGuinness for knockdowns or we were going to be firing balls into the box where a Jose can act as a poacher, I think, yeah, he would have suited us. And I think if we'd have played that style in parts last season, he probably would have got 10 or 11 goals for us anyway, which would have led to us keeping him. I think the style we play means that he's just not going to fit. Um that doesn't mean that I don't. You know, I still think we need that plan B. What that is with the players we have got now, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, he definitely could have offered something different. I just think his record itself just didn't really do enough for us. As I say, he's not really playing now. I don't necessarily think he's the striker we need. Um, I don't think it's a case of you don't know what you've got till it's gone. I think you know he's on loan. He's not. He's not doing a huge amount there. It's disappointing. Um, but I don't personally. I don't think he would have offered us too much anyway. You get the impression that he could he could maybe have falling outs with managers as well. Because remember last season when he scored the penalty away at Gillingham and he mm. celebrated in front of Russell Slade, having not been played as much as he, as he clearly wanted to. Um, I mean, that sort of character. And obviously Carl said that, that he's made his decision. He doesn't want to be here. So when someone's made that decision, sort of a no-brainer really to get rid of him, is it? And you just sort of put it down to a, an, another bad transfer in, I guess. Yeah, I think that, that and that's kind of what I'm saying. I think their relationship had, had kind of broken down already. Um in terms of the transfer in, I know obviously Russell was here when we got him. I don't know how much Russell, how much say well, Russell heard, had in the I've transfer. I've heard that the transfer was already in motion before he came. Mm, but yeah, I, mean, so, I guess if you turn out to a club and they're offering you the top scorer from the season before, you're not going to say no, are you? No, no, no of course not. But um, yeah, you know, I, he didn't seem particularly well utilised by Russell either. And I think you talk about that kind of determination by a Jose to, to make his own decisions and even when he was on the pitch you could see him getting frustrated and obviously if he was having a bad game that's kind of understandable but he wasn't afraid to show that um, on the pitch and, and as you say then obviously reacting to Russell when he was at the penalty at Gillingham he scored so he seems to have that in him um, I don't think there's any problem with having a, a fiery character or you know as I say someone who's who's determined and knows what they want um, I just think if if what he wants and what Carl wants are very different things then from a fan's point of view, you back the manager and you say, well, the, the manager's more important and, and he he's shaping his team. And if a Jose doesn't fit in that, then they've got to have that conversation. It sounds like that's what happened and a Jose decided that he'd be better off somewhere else. So far, that hasn't worked out for him, which 
Obviously, I'm pleased that he can't play on Saturday, but aside from that, I don't want to see him fail because, as I say, that one season at Swindon, he did do very well. Um, you want to see a striker continue to do that, as I say, just not against us. But, yeah, it's the way it goes. And Another poor signing. We seem to be getting fewer and fewer of them, which is a positive. But, yeah, perhaps that's just one one piece of last summer that was, was a bit of bad business. If we can shift him properly off the wage book, if he's not going to be a part of our team, then I think that's something we need to do. And maybe... Again, I, I don't know how much of an issue finance really is with, with Roland, but if you know the more wages we free up, the more availability there is to get more people in. And if we do continue to to perform well and be up there, then you want to see him you know, invest as much as he can in January. And if that means trying to get rid of a Jose more quickly, then I think that's what we need to do. Yeah, because Carl didn't really give a clear answer on whether he's going to be here. Mm. He decided not to answer. He says he knows the answer, but he decides not to answer. He's still got a year... Uh, left on his contract, he signed on a three-year deal when, mm. when we signed him from Swindon. So it might not be the easiest thing to get rid of him if, if someone doesn't want to pay his wages again, which is why we keep seeing him going out on loan, I, I, I assume, rather than on an actual full transfer. Yeah, I think as well, if, if you know, let's say for argument's sake, he goes to Berry, Berry play a 4-5-1 and he plays in that 10 or he plays out wide and he gets himself six or seven goals between now and Christmas, you look at that and you think, well, why not bring him back and try him for the second half of this season? send him to Berry. as I say, they've got one win, they're second bottom or third bottom in the league and he's barely playing. You think, well, is that really the sort of player we want to bring back? You know, When Tony Watt came back that January after not playing a huge amount, you see how long it took him to get back into the swing of things. So I think if we get to January and it's the choice between bringing a Jose back or splashing some money on, I don't know, a striker from somewhere else in the division who's got a few goals, would you rather go for that? Personally, I would. So... I th- that's the way I'd like to see it play out. If it will, I don't know. As you say, the wages might be an issue in terms of getting him off the books, but I think if we're serious about going up, those are the sort of decisions that Roland and, and Katrine have got to make and say, well, right, we're going to do this this year. Hmm. Uh, now, it's very interesting uh, that Nicky Jose obviously wouldn't play anyway on Saturday because mm. he's not uh, he's not legible to play against us. But um, uh, I was I was just trying to find out because, like I say, he hadn't played. He hasn't been involved in the squad since August the twenty sixth against Rotherham. Uh, well, sorry, against uh, oh, I can't remember who it was against, but the same day we were playing Rotherham, so that was ages ago. Um, and so I was trying to do some digging as to find out where he was. Now the only uh, I put it out to Berry fans on Twitter just for the show, really, just to see if anyone could help me. And then one of them pointed me towards uh, Michael McKenzie of the Berry Times on their local papers, saying that he just sent a tweet that he sent a couple of weeks ago saying he'd been dropped. Um, uh, there was a tweet um, about a month, uh, a few weeks before that, saying he might have been injured. But there's, there's nothing really in the local news, and you know, Berry fans are saying there's all sorts of rumours amongst the Berry community that he's had a falling out with someone up there now, and, he's, and that's why he's not getting involved with anything. So it all seems very strange, doesn't it? He just seems to be struggling to settle. And as, as in terms of an actual career, apart from that one good season he had on loan at Berry from Man United, and that one season he had for, against Swind, uh, with Swindon before we signed him. He really never has, has hit the ground running as as a player of his supposed quality should do. Mm, yeah, and when you when you hear the rumours of that falling out, you know, as as we've said, it, it wouldn't be a huge shock because we've seen the kind of temperament he's got. Um, as you say, you know, person to person, you you don't want to see someone fail like that. So, you know, when we we got him from Swindon, obviously we hoped he would go and bang in loads of goals for us. Now he's gone elsewhere. As I say, I still want to see him do well because it's not nice. We've talked about Tony Watt, you know, having to go off to Belgium to try and restart his career. Whatever you think of Tony Watt's performances here, he's not someone I want to see do badly. I want him to perform and I want him to do well for for himself. And it's the same with a Jose. Um, it, it does seem a bit strange. It, it seems like he's just, you know, maybe not in their plans either. Um, I mean, I, d- I don't know how they've been playing or, or the style that they play. I know results aren't very good, but maybe that doesn't fit either. But you would think they would do their due diligence before making that move but then again you think we would and, and Russell wasn't really fussed about playing him either so it is a strange one as I say he was someone who you know wasn't on everybody's radar at the end of that season but you know I'm sure there are a few clubs after him and I think we saw it as a bit of a coup when we got him okay it was only off the one back of one season but I'm sure if you listen back to our early podcast of that season we were saying that he could be a, a big player for us it didn't work out now he's gone to Berry and it doesn't seem to be working out there either which is as I say is a shame because he did have that particularly good season and you could see him maybe progressing from there and it, it hasn't really happened for him 
Right, so that was, uh, we, we heard from Carl Robertson earlier from his press day talking about Nicky Ajoza because the question was asked. Now, there was another thing uh, in the press day today <laughs> that I think, uh, I think I'll think i bring to all of your attention. Because it serves as a warning to the likes of myself and anyone else who, who has the privilege of getting to speak to Carl um, in, in any capacity, really, but in particular, uh, one that's going to be recorded. Uh, and obviously, if, you, if you're going to ask Carl the question, I think you need to make sure you're asking a sensible one. I think Clive Yalton <laughs> from uh, Kent Live found that out the hard way today. I read a quote from Darren Ferguson, it's a brutal business day football, isn't it, in, in the lower divisions? Results sort of count for a lot. Well, the only ones who don't get the sack are the reporters when they ask silly questions. They seem to keep the jobs for everyone in the, everyone in the game. The managers and players get dropped, managers get sacked. But it's a farm pass, love it. So, when it, Ken, how long's your contract at Kent? I'm only messing. I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> no, he's actually all, he's actually all right. <laughs> no more questions. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, so I think uh, I mean Poor Clive. We'll be yeah, we'll put it out there. I mean, do you think that journalists should get sacked? Mm, I don't know how Terry's got away with it for so long. <laughs> Some of the questions he asked. Yeah, so uh, there we go. Winning yeah, is important. Not. I think I think that's what we've That's we've, what we seem to have established. Yeah, okay, right, let's have a quick break here on Channel I'll be back in a couple of minutes talk about the Kent Senior Cup. Going on a run, Holmes. Holmes still on the ball, heading towards the corner of the penalty area. Gets the ball in the box. Novak with the header! It's a goal! What a goal! Lee Novak with a superb glancing header from a magnificent Holmes cross. Puts Charlton in the lead. Welcome back, it's Channel Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. We're going to look ahead to Saturday's game here at the Valley with Berry. Uh, my name's Louis Mendes. I'm joining the studio, like I say, by Tom Wallin. Now, just before we go on to talk about the Kent Senior Cup win over a Welling last night, I got an email from Big Noobs, Mark Newbury. Says, evening boys, when we signed a Jose, he'd scored over 20 goals. And when you watch them on YouTube, most of them were in the six-yard box. A real poaching, uh, real poacher. He wasn't knocking them in from 25 yards. He was turning up late, getting his toe on something, fizzing in the box. Under Slade, we were so negative at times, he could have done a Sudoku in between touching the ball. <laughs> so I have a bit more... And that takes ages for footballers, because mm. they're notoriously stupid. Uh, so, uh, uh, so I have a bit more sympathy for him, rather than a large lump like Novak. Bottom line being, we need four strikers, three experienced... And one of our kids to give options from the bench. If Big Matt gets injured, we are uh, up a particular creek without the paddle. Unless we play Nabby up front, uh, we might be struggling again. I mean, the, the point there about the type of football that we played under Russell now, surely because we're in, we do a bit more getting the ball into the box under Carl. Now that's what because because I, I don't we've never really seen the Jose ever run under Carl or even play under Carl, have we? So. Uh, I don't think so. No, I think he probably would have. All, you know, he would have been sent out on loan by Carl actually because he yeah. came in in November. But still, I mean, he never really the, the type of football that was that we tried to play. You would have thought it'd be a bit better under under this style. You would argue there's more chance of him doing it. Yeah, um, I think. I th- I think the way Carl likes to play in this four five one is with a more of a target man who can hold the ball up and bring players into play, but. As I say, you put a Jose maybe behind him in the Reeves slash Clark role, I think, you know, and you're getting Holmes and Fosu down the sides and whipping crosses in. That's where, as Mark Newbury says there, that's where he got his goals from. And if he's in the penalty area and there's balls coming in, there's a good chance he's going to get you goals. Um, I don't know. Uh, Clearly, as I say, it it hasn't worked out between these two, whether that's personality or, or... you know whether it is a Jose's determination to go and play football elsewhere. I don't know. Um, you'd say, given the way Clark started the season, if that was the position he was going to take, he probably wouldn't get in. And with Reeves getting back to fitness, would he even be third choice? So, yeah, I, I'm not sure he would. But 
But Mark's right, it, those were the way he was getting his goals and it became very apparent early on last season that that wasn't the way we were playing to him. We were asking much more of him and that's why when he says there was so much time in between him actually touching the ball, what you needed, uh, it doesn't help that we had a poor start last season, but what you needed was, as I say, getting down the line, whipping balls in and him being there to just snaffle the edge and, and put it away and, and that just didn't really happen enough for him. Mm. Now, uh, last night, we once and once and for all finally put to bed the rumours that we can't win local derbies yep. uh, as we uh, mugged off uh, Welling United's 10 men Welling in the Kent Senior Cup by a goal to nil. What a rout. Yeah, Navi Sar with the goal. He, he loves he loves he loves scoring in the big derby cup game. Scored yep. it, scored the one in the four one defeat at Palace. Now this one obviously counted for a bit more. Uh sent us through to the next round of the Kent Senior Cup, the final eight we're into now. Um <laughs> we talk about it every now and then when it comes up the Kent Senior Cup though. I mean it was actually quite a senior squad for us yesterday, but it is a good chance for the, the youngsters who'd um you know to maybe try and impress the likes of Carl Robinson and that sort of and, and Pit their wits against a senior senior side in the form of Welling and a you know, half decent non league side. Yeah, nice to see two uh, favourite centre backs playing side by side. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, you're right, and it's a cup that, as a club, I think certainly over the last few years we've we've taken pretty seriously. Um, we won it, didn't we? Not that long ago. Um, you know, you do come up against good sides. I remember was it Gillingham we played when they put out their first yeah, first team, and final, um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's a good chance to to blood some youth and also to give some uh squad players their game so you look at the side you've got the likes of phillips konza uh aribo jackson hern grant dodu maybe you could mention sar as well as players who are on the fringe of the first 11 um are not getting that many opportunities at the moment at the start of the season that's because the team were doing well i would argue that some of them actually deserve to come in and show what they can do and I would think maybe over the next three games with another Tuesday coming up we, we might see that um, but then the likes of, of Carter, Yao, Anderson, uh, Maskell, um, you know there's players there that are you know looking for their opportunity and looking to impress and this is another like the checker trade a chance to play those players and, and see what they've got to offer so yeah you know it's one of those little local local cups that in the grand scheme of things doesn't actually mean too much um, in terms of the record books but I think it's a really good opportunity particularly at a club like ours that are so determined to bring through our youth that it's a good opportunity to blood those youngsters and playing alongside the likes of Johnny Jackson you know you're gonna get experience from someone like that um, and maybe another experienced player who came on yesterday but well we're here for Jason you will talk about that plan where's Roger Johnson talk about we're going to come on to him in a minute um and Jason as well to be fair being yeah. the manager you know yeah. another experience that they can learn from yeah but I mean, there's a couple of players in there who I thought I'd point out who probably feel like surprised they haven't got more first team action so far this season that's Esri Konza and Joe mm. Rebo because they played quite a lot in the second half of last season in particular um are you surprised that those two haven't got more first team action I mean at the back for example Konza we've had power uh, Bauer and Pierce, who, who's obviously power, power, yeah, power, have yet to be unseated mm. from the centre back position in the in the sort of defensive midfield position of Kashi and Forster Kasky. You know, we haven't really seen a rebo there yet. I mean, yeah. it, it, I imagine as the season progresses, they'll get their chances. But are you surprised they don't get more more time than what they've had so far? Uh, yes and no. I think, as, as I say, because we started the season so well, um, I wasn't surprised that Carl wasn't wasn't changing things then. Um, I think then obviously the loss to Wigan uh, I kind of see where he's coming from in that he then wanted to give those same players a chance for Saturday um, I think given that we then lost that I would like to see changes for this Saturday and I'm sure we'll come to that towards the end of the show uh, and I think I mentioned on Sunday that for me South End game okay we won it but that would have been the game to rotate some of those players in I think for me we're not rotating out quality and putting in backups in those positions Konza He's on the Premier League radar already. Um, Aribo's shown the sort of talent he can he can be. Um, I think if we take Konza first of all as well, you look at Pierce and Bauer. Yeah, I did get it right that time. Um, <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks. No, it's it? not. Uh, they, they've conceded a lot of goals, despite the fact we're where we are. Um, so I'm surprised that Konza hasn't had more of a chance there. It's funny. He's, whenever he's come on, he's come on in an attacking midfield yeah. role as well, which is even further forward than what we're used to seeing him. Yeah, so maybe he'll be our backup striker going forward. <laughs> um, with a rebar, it's a difficult one, really. I was thinking about it the other day because the first three or four games of the season, we were lauding Forster Kasky and uh, 
Kashi. We were saying Kashi Player of the Year, Forster Kaski obviously getting those goals. And since then, we've barely mentioned either of them. Obviously, I think Forster Kaski was our first player in focus. Mm. And uh, Carl's men- Carl mentioned a couple a couple of times recently okay. felt they've had a couple of bad games. So. Yeah, well, I couldn't I couldn't decide whether our general performance means that those two are not standing out, or whether those two not standing out is a is why we're playing badly, and, and which it is that leads to the other. But I do think that perhaps it's just gone. I don't know, not a little bit stale in there because it's too early for that. But maybe we just do need to to try something else. Uh, you know, Kashi hasn't played a lot of football, and it, he's been asked to play week in week out at the moment. Forster Kaski, okay, started the season well, but we saw last season he could go missing in games. So I personally don't see any harm in putting someone like Aribo in there um, because, as I say, although they're very very young, they they've got experience at this level already. Um, and they've got so many experienced players around them. You know, you Ricky Holmes, Josh McGuinness, uh, Pierce at the back that they can help them through the games. So, yeah, I think especially over the last two or three weeks, I'm surprised that they haven't had more action. And I, I'd be surprised if they weren't in contention for a start. Maybe not Saturday now, given that they played the other night, but maybe next Tuesday. Lots of Ahern Grant and Dodo as well. Both played last night. Dodo only played 70 minutes. Uh, Ahern Grant only 58. So. Yeah, they've both sort of half, got a half chance now with mm. Ricky Holmes out on the weekend. Um, uh, what have you made of Dodo so far? Cause we haven't really seen too much of him, have we? But. No, he obviously had his explosive debut, but that's kind of par for the course for him. Uh, since then, so I wasn't at that game, but I've seen him here, uh, Wigan, uh, so Southend and Wigan, I think he must have come on in both games. So I've seen him a little bit. I haven't really seen a lot, but then Southend, I think we were already ahead and uh, Wigan, we, we were comprehensively outplayed so I wouldn't really want to judge him at this stage um, clearly there's a player in there because I think based on a lot of Carl's signings we, we're not signing as much Deadwood as we used to I think perhaps he just needs time to settle into the formation I don't know how much football he was playing up at Rangers um, but I think there's probably a player in there um, in terms of starting for Saturday I'd prefer to see a Hearn Grant there because I think he started the season really well. Uh, I'd love to see him get a full 90 uh, and, you know, the most chance to just get himself a goal. I know he offers a lot to the team other than goals, but if he could just do that for his confidence as well, I think that would make a huge difference. So, yeah, uh, Ricky Holmes going out uh, is obviously a big loss for us, but it's an opportunity for someone else to step up and you would hope one of those two is going to take it. Now, I don't know if, you, uh, if you've had a chance to see Navi Sars winning golf. Just retweeted a link to it on the Chuck and Lighter. I'll have a look. But it was, one, it was one hell of a strike. And uh, I mean, what would you make for Sars? I mean, he's a player who's obviously had his reputation when he came in, um, you know, made, made a fair few mistakes in the championship season. Uh, since he's come back in pre-season now, he's looked, he's looked a lot, He's look, in, in the pre-season, he's looked a lot calmer than when we've seen him in cup games. Um, I still think he's got a Naby Sar mistake up his sleeve. If you just if you just see the any time a ball comes quickly right in between his legs, he still sometimes takes a while to get his feet sorted. But do you think he's going to be? He's, he seems to have been given a clean slate now by Charlton fans. Yeah, I think uh, certainly by the manager, and I think he's starting to. Yeah, I wouldn't say win fans round, but he does seem to be. People are going to be a bit more lenient with him, perhaps. I think he. I saw, so I saw the Stevenage game live, I saw Norwich live, and I saw Ipswich on telly. I can't remember which of those games he played or not, but when I did see him play, he looked a, a big presence. Um, he looked solid. He looked, yeah, if we were judging him on having been signed this summer, you would say we've got a good player on our hands here. Um, obviously, the last year or two, not, not so good. Uh, and I think the fans' reaction to him is understandable, but... He's been given a clean slate by Carl Robinson and I think so far he's done pretty much all that's asked of him. You talk about the mistakes, I think he probably does still have one or two of those in him but he is still young and I think you could argue that Bauer does as well. So is there much harm in starting him alongside Pierce instead of Bauer? I'm not sure that there is because yeah, we've seen Bauer obviously offers goals as well but so does Sarah. I've just seen the finish actually. It's a tidy little finish from him so... Another one that you could perhaps argue, if we were, especially given how many goals we've conceded, that he might feel he deserves a bit more of a chance in the first mm. eleven. It's certainly be interesting to see if and when he does get his chances. Like I said, he's, he has, from what I've seen, he has still got just a little gaff up his sleeve. But at mm. the same time, I've said that of Bauer over, over the years, and Bauer's done quite well this season. Yeah, uh, that sort of thing. Now, um, so we're talking about someone who's had their 
slate wiped clean there. Someone <laughs> who perhaps hasn't, as far as a fair few Charlton fans are uh, are concerned, is uh, is Roger Johnson. Now, when I went when I mentioned that name a few minutes ago, uh, Mark just tweeted in saying, "No, I've checked my calendar. It's not April first, so I can only guess that there's a second one." <laughs> uh, it is the Roger Johnson, the one that's uh, you know had two spells at the club. Um, had a falling out a disagreement with a fan at Berry on the first day of last season, which which has led to fans uh, a section of supporters not being too happy with him. Uh, got injured towards the end of last season, which meant we didn't see him uh, in in the remainder of the campaign. Um, but because according to Ollie Groom, the club's journalist on Twitter, is saying he was he was in the squad last night as part of a club's duty of care. That if um, if someone gets injured while they're playing for you, then their contract runs out. Um, you, you tend to try and look after him. Now, if you listen to the John Fortune, John Live Meets John Fortune podcast, you'll find out that, that did happen with him. He twice he found himself injured coming towards the end of his career and ended up tra- staying to train with the club, even though it was um, you know he was out of contract. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I don't know if that's the rules rules you have to do it, but that's that's what we've done with Roger Johnson. Now, what did you make of hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Of that and his surprising in, uh, inclusion in the squad last night. Controversial, isn't it? I'm, uh, I'm just going to read some numbers, so I'll explain why. So one zero zero two zero zero forty three zero zero. So that replies to tweets. That was replies to tweets <laughs> from. We're back at Parkview Road for full coverage of the Senior Club, uh, Cup clash to kick off. And the one that had 40 responses was former addict Roger Johnson is among the subs. <laughs> so that shows you the level of uh, anger, perhaps, amongst Charlton fans in terms of his inclusion. In my in my case, it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, well, as I say, <laughs> as I, as I, saw I, her, I was rolling that. laughing. Yeah. yeah, I think I tweeted something about him not, you know, he was unlucky <laughs> not to make it to Sunday's charity match as a, as a club legend. Uh, obviously, <laughs> tongue in cheek. Well, Paul Hayes made it. But that's a very that's true. slightly different case. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think. Look, the first time we signed him, he came in and he did a really good job for us. Second time, he didn't. There was obviously that altercation with a fan, and there was an alleged incident where that yeah. sort, sort of got people's yeah, noses sorry, altercation, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, uh, I'm some about, sort of yeah. conversation. And and then I said there was a separate alleged incident that okay. also got people's noses at a player of the year dinner. But right. obviously, you know, it's all alleged and no one really knows. But people, you know, people talk. So, yeah, 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 they do, and and. For me, you know, fans are loyal to their club. Um, they're not necessarily loyal to players that, that don't deserve it. I think if what happened happened, I completely stand by any fan who, who says that. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with people saying they hope he breaks his leg last night or anything like that. But in terms, <laughs> in terms of playing for the first team again, um, I personally don't want to see him represent the club. Uh, I don't feel that if that behaviour happened that that's befitting of someone who who should wear the Charlton shirt uh, that if the club have to do it or if they feel that it's the right thing to do to honour a contract or to help him get fit again then fair enough um, but yeah in terms of being anywhere near the first team squad he, he's not someone I want to yeah. I want to see playing again. Well there's no, there's no chance of us signing him that's been, no, that's been said exactly. so we don't need to worry about that too much. Right I couldn't be bothered to go last night so it's <laughs> left to Ollie Groom to uh, interview Jason Yule after the win at Welling in the Kent Senior Cup. Okay, Jason, uh, a hard-fought win, I think it's fair to say there, with a last-minute winner, but um, you really had to work hard for that, didn't you? No, we did, and credit to, to Welling as well, going down to 10 men early in the second half. Just as you wanted to sort of, for us, wanted us to sort of start well like we did in the first half, but it didn't make it easier at all, sort of made it a bit more difficult for ourselves in terms of how we wanted to do it. 
and and get the get the game f through on like an easier in an easier way. But happy that we got the results. I think we were sort of counting down, thinking oh it's going to be penalties now, and fourth official telling me we have to have one less because they're down to ten men. So, but no, I mean it's, the thing is it was a really good finish from from Naby as well, just a nice little placement into the bottom corner. But I think overall we, we would say we probably had the better chances. But credit to, to Welling to taking us that far. You're having flashbacks from the uh, semi-final here last year when he went to penalty. Similar sort of game, wasn't it? But yeah. you must have been pretty relieved when that ball went in the back of the net. I was trying not to until the full official said we've got to take one less player for the pens. But it's one of those ones where you just got to keep going until until the end. And I said, luckily enough, it was a good finish from Naby. He actually played really well today. Not actually, but was a, performed really well in terms of not played for a few weeks, but done his job and looked very composed. It's one of those times again, wasn't it? We've seen it a lot over the last few seasons where we have to rely on some of the first team players considering a very successful victory at a crew on Monday, but two games in three days is a lot, isn't it? So it's a time, a good time to really utilise what we have at all levels here at the club. Yeah, and I think part of it, it sort of helped because Carl uh, wanted some of the players to be involved in it because they're behind on minutes and just coincided with the two games in the week that we've, that we've had in a short space of time and it worked out where... The boys that didn't get enough football on Monday for our 23s had game time today. So it sort of puts everyone on sort of a level playing field in terms of in terms of minutes under their belt. But it's not going to happen all the time. So it's a case of we know what happens in this competition. The further we get, the congestion piles up. So we've just got to prepare ourselves for it. Obviously, Roger Johnson's on the bench. He came on. Some some fan surprise, maybe, but I guess that shows the club's duty of care when a player's been injured while whilst a Charlton player. And he's done. We've done him a favour. He's done us a favour, really, by being an extra body, is not he? Yeah, and, and the thing is, as well, it's that with with him being doing his rehab at the club, he's still a good person to have around with the young boys as well. I mean, and in and around the change room, he's still having that personality that he's got, which everyone's aware of. Some might like his sudden dope, but. What it does, it helps the younger lads coming through in terms of the professionalism, doing certain things. But yeah, I said it's it was good that he he got sort of 30, 35 minutes under his belt, which is which is a plus for him who's been out for such a long while with the injury. We say this every single year when we start our journey in the Kent Senior Cup. It's a competition you've set out to win. You've told the boys you want to win for the under 23 lads. Um, you must be pleased to be into the, the last eight already, into the quarterfinals. And especially over the last two seasons where it's been somewhat of disappointment getting quite far and then losing out you know, at the semi final stage um, last season. You want to go one better again this year, don't you? Oh, without a doubt. As we said, it's always in it to win it. And I said what it does, it always says, the reasons why we enter it is so we can get the boys exposed to men's football and it sort of shows tonight that what it's like it's not easy stepping up and making that, that transition into men's football but that's the challenge ahead that we have in the competition and so we always want to go as far as we can and do well in it so yeah we, we want to get to the final and, and win it and again put it under our belt saying we've, we've done it again. That's really well as well to do so. To now he's on to take on Buchanan, keeping the ball. Lovely ball into Konza to the touchline. Konza reverse ball back to Forster Kaske, yeah, and there's the third. And it's game over and three points for Charlton. Welcome back, Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio, the big match preview. Going to look ahead to Berry in a few moments. Time for we just give a little mention to the Charlton Athletic women's team because they've started their league season with a 100% record, uh, and that continued on was it last night when they beat? Yeah, yeah, last night they went to West Ham and they mugged them off by six goals to nil. Very impressive once again. Yeah, uh, extended their lead at the top because Palace dropped points, um, which is even better. Uh, a double from Charlie Clifford, uh, and then one each for Nicole uh, Nicole Pepper. Georgia Griffin, Emma Sherwood, and only one for Kit Graham, which I think we've just said maybe she's losing it to only get one goal. <laughs> yeah, um, I know she's coming back from injury, isn't she? Yeah, but yeah, we haven't really mentioned the women too much this start of this season. There's obviously been a lot going on with, with the men's first team, but yeah, unbeaten again. Um, obviously started the season really well, and I think we did an interview. Or Did you do an interview with yeah, them? Yeah, I went um, down on the first day of so, the season. To yeah, there was that one, but yeah, they've started the season fantastically well again. Um, a couple of, I think... Georgia Griffin, 17, yeah, uh, her first, first senior goal. Yeah. 
Um, Only three minutes into a debut as well. After yeah, and replacing Kit Graham, who's obviously a bit of a chart legend for that that side. So, yeah, fantastic for them to start so well and hosting C and K Basildon uh, at Sporting Club Thamesmead on Sunday. So, if anyone's around, get down there and, and go and support the women's team. I think it's your season ticket holder. I think you're getting for free. Otherwise, uh, it's like four quid or something. It's a good day actually. It's a ni- nice little ground, nice little bar, good pitch, mm. and. Uh, they absolutely destroy everyone in their path. Everybody, of the so, yeah. uh, so it's worth watching. Now, if, as you all know, on Sunday uh, here, as, uh, as, as we advertised it uh, plentiful times uh, in the build-up, it was the Legends United match here at the Valley. Uh, and it was a truly special day uh, where we all got to watch our heroes uh, from our from our childhood and uh, or in Terry's uh, case he's middle age uh, <laughs> running around the pitch um, and uh, yeah it was excellent now I was very lucky in terms of that I got to meet uh, a couple of them and they came up for interviews they came up to commentate with Terry and then uh, do a quick interview with me after uh, one of whom was Scott Minto now uh, he was when I first started coming down my first game was in 1994 he was playing uh, he'd left not long after that I first started coming down he went he signed for Chelsea I remember being, he was the first player I remember being disappointed uh, that he'd left, and I told him that on uh, on uh, <laughs> on Sunday, and he, he said he said I was just trying to be nice to him, but that's not true. That was true. But anyway, like I, said, I spoke to him. We heard a clip of it on Sunday show when we did a bit of a mismatch with all the other ones: Michael Bennett, Carl Lieburn, uh Who else did we speak to? Clive and Donker, of course. Carl, uh, Carl uh, and uh, Carl Robinson as well. So we heard a, mi- uh, a little bit, a little clip of it. But I wanted to play you the rest of that interview from Scott Minto because uh, he's talking about basically the return. He was one of those who played in the the actual game, the return to the Valley in 1992. Uh, so he talks about that game and also he lets us know what he thinks of Carl Robinson because obviously he's, he's involved now with Sky Sports presenting he's a journalist, a journalist nowadays so he has a keen eye on, on Charlton Athletic uh, so this is what Scott Minto had to say about the club and first of all about the return to the Valley in 1992 What, what were your memories of the day back specifically the, the, the first day back of the Valley? Well I remember um, you know I was, back, back, back then I was what would I have been 21 something like that and I was someone who you just kind of thought football, you didn't really think anything outside the box. Just a typical 21-year-old who, who just wanted to play football all the time. I didn't quite realise then the magnitude of it all, but when I turned up on the day and I heard, because we were told that this you know, safety certificate hadn't been given yet and fans were turning up in the morning to try and help finish everything off, and I think it was given at 12 o'clock at midday or something like that. And then just, you know, we had the porter cabins in the dressing room Go on, swing. Oh, Alex Dyer had a great chance. Nearly had a great chance. Um, the porter cabins, porter cabins with the, the, the dressing rooms. But you could also hear the sort of the music going on, the carnival atmosphere outside. And you're kind of thinking, yeah, you know, I'm part of something special here. I think the game itself was a pretty turgid game, really. And um, But we just... Again, it's one of those games. I've had a few in my career where they're absolutely massive games. But you just think we're going to win this we have to win this as simple as that and and we did as I say it wasn't a great game won it 1-0 um, and, and that's about it I always had a good night as well <laughs> yeah, uh, you said you felt that that was Charlton's most important moment in the history. I guess the success that followed the Premier League years, it almost certainly wouldn't have happened if we hadn't come back to the Valley. No, no. You know, there was a very difficult time at Selhurst and at Upton Park. Again, I was a bit oblivious to it, really, although I knew what was going on. But when you're young, you just kind of just play and don't think. But, you know, without a doubt, without the home, without the soul, without the identity, um, it wouldn't have happened. Curbs did a great job, great job. Um, in in getting the club up, you know, and it's such a shame, obviously, what happened since. But actually, it's not always about where you are in what division. It's about are you happy with your club right now? And, um, and obviously, there's issues going on with the club. Who was that with the attempt? That Horizon that's hit the post there. Wow, <laughs> excellent. Um, and, and that's it, and that's why it's important to, to try and be united, and hopefully everybody can, can work towards that. And obviously you have your role in the media now. I'm sure you, Sky has certainly paid attention to the the uh, protests that have happened over the last couple of years, but where do you see the club now? I mean, you, you're just shaking hands with Carl Robertson as he replaced you on commentary there. I mean, do you think he's the man to take him forward I now? do, I do. Uh, I really do. I think he, you know what he did at MK was great. I think uh, he would have learned a lot as well. By You don't always learn as a person as well as a professional when the good things good times happen it's about when there's bad times as well and obviously it was a difficult season when they got relegated so I think he's he's, oh. he's got um, it's a goal eh? it's it a is goal. a goal 
he's got he's got MK Dons up. He's experienced relegation. He knows this division really well. Um, he's better manager than he was then. And yeah, I, I just think he's without doubt for me the person. You know, if he's given the support on every level then I think he can get Charlton back into the Championship, which is what I am hoping for. Because when I first came back into English football from doing La Liga, I said to the guys at Sky, any Charlton home game is mine. I'm doing it. And unfortunately, I think we lost 3-0 against Ipswich. Um, the Middlesbrough game was a real crazy game because you know we were sort of on the verge of going down. Middlesbrough on the verge of going up. There was all the protests going on. It was quite sad to see in many ways, but somehow produced a fantastic performance. So yeah, you know I, I, I'm desperate for Charlton to get back into the Championship so I can cover them a bit more. And you think if there, if there is going to be a game here this season, then you're going to put yourself forward? For Def- without a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt. You know, as I say. Uh, some people come out with some cliches about how much they love the club and that but I've just got really special times from leaving school being an apprentice you know coming through the ranks getting into the first team being a regular um, and playing in that game back to the valley there were, there were some real real special memories and, and no one can ever take that away from me so there we go. Great to hear from Scott Minto and he clearly has, still has a lot of affection for the club I mean he made over 180 appearances uh, for us having come up through the academy and it, it certainly it doesn't seem like it's a club that's ever left his heart yeah definitely um, unfortunately a lot of those appearances before my time but uh, I said to you just before the show that the little clip we heard on Sunday as well you can tell he's he cares about the club and you mentioned he might be a supporter I, I don't know but either way he clearly keeps up to date with the club and you talk about it there, his fondness for that back to the valley and how important that was. And, you know, irrespective of whether I was there or not, I know the relevance of that day to the club. And he takes that very seriously as well. And there'll be some players that may have played in that game and not really thought anything more of it. But he's not one of those. Um, you know, he seems desperate to Charlton to get back to the championship so he can cover us again for his, his TV work. And, yeah, a big player. You know, anyone who makes that amount of appearances for this club goes down in, in our history as an important player. And, and he was one of them. Clearly, um, quite a, f- a fan of uh, well, Sue Gallup is a big fan. We know yeah. that, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's, and you can see why. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, he mentioned on I think it was on Sunday show that he felt he felt that the return to the valley was the biggest moment in the club's history. I mean, and that's surely I'm sure that's a debate that's been had over and over again. But do you yeah. think it is? It's difficult, isn't it? It's, you have to put it all into a. It's all quite subjective. Obviously, for me, it, it has to be the playoff final. Um, look at. You know, I don't know how many. Obviously, Terry's still around, but I don't know how many else from the FA Cup win um, because that's obviously a massive part of of our history as well. The second time when we went up, you could say the year after the playoffs, after we've been relegated and went back up as champions. Um, so I think you know we've had, and even that that recovery under Powell. You know, now you look at it and think, well, it seems a bit meaningless because we're back down there. But that was a huge revolution after all of that, the Kerbishley era to then drop off and manage to pick back up was was a massive thing for the club. So. I completely understand why he's going to come here and say that because for him it probably was. As I say, for me it's the playoff final, but I think it's a bit unfair to to necessarily pin one down as the defining moment. I think they're all fairly subjective, but you know the fact that I can come here and watch Charlton play here is testament to all of the work that went into coming back to the Valley. And as I've said many times, I never take coming here for granted now. Hmm, excellent stuff. So great to hear from Scott Minto on uh, from Sunday's Legends United game. A quick break and then we'll come back and look ahead to Saturday's game with Barry. Attacking the left-hand edge of the penalty area. Goes past his man, Ricky Holmes, into the box. Chips the ball back across, looking for McGinnis, gets his head! Yes! And there's the opening goal! Charlton with a superb start to the game, a lovely work to move. So welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. It's time to look ahead, because uh, on Saturday here at the Valley, we are playing Berry now. I know you guys are fans of my stats, uh, and you're starting So here we go. So I'm just like to point out that Charlton haven't actually lost to Berry now at home for an entire four or five months because uh, we lost him last season. Oh yeah, of course we did. <laughs> yeah, one nil, so, wasn't it? yeah, one nil. Ryan Lowe. So anyway, yeah. let's hear from Carl Robertson. He sat down with uh, BBC Radio Kent's Tony Hudd uh, to talk about Saturday's game. Talking to Charlton manager Carl Robinson ahead of Saturday's home game against Berry. Carl, not so long ago, Charlton in the table. 
now you've experienced a dip in results with two consecutive defeats. Can you put your finger on the reason why? Yeah, it's football. <laughs> um, first one, we weren't good enough on the day. Uh, second one, we just didn't take our chances. And that's it. Have you looked at it on the train? I know you looked at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do analyse things. Sometimes people say too much, um, but without emotion, it's very clear. We knew against. We knew. We knew why um, against Wigan. Our two wingers got dragged too deep by their fullbacks rather than us dominating their fullbacks. Um, we had our ten playing far too deep, so then it looked like we only had one striker up front rather than having our usual four being higher. Um, so we, we, we've worked on that. We spoke about it a number of times. Um, and then we, the other day, I don't think anybody can, they keep it up man the match. So maybe just our finishing needs to be better all around. It's as simple and as classified as that. Did poor finishing let you down against Gillingham? Yeah, but not just by one individual, by by a number of us. Um, and in fairness to the players, they hit the target most of the time. The keeper, everything we hit, so to hit the keeper, that big six foot nine frame of his. But it was a, uh, yeah, I just say, that's as, that's as simple as it gets. I can't. Sometimes we delve too much into into tactics and we look too much into into things, which I do, as you all know. But sometimes it is very very clear for everyone to see. You're deep into analysis mm. on performances. Has that been the case after these two defeats? Yeah, when you look at our performance levels against Wigan, all of our stats were, but funny enough, our, our running stats were probably the highest of the season. That's because they made us do more distance than we actually needed to, which means we were fatigued on the turnover of possession and a few opportunities to pass forward. Um, cause we were all so deep, we had no forward passes up, passes on. Um, and then when things go sideways and backwards, it gives them more momentum to get higher up the pitch. Uh, and then the stats of the day were, were unreal. Possession, shots on target, crosses, corners, everything. Everything that we controlled, we controlled. Um, just unfortunately on the day, it just didn't go on the back of the net. And that's just part and parcel of, of the industry. It's Sometimes we look too much and we look, is this playing not right? Is that playing not right? Is this not right? Is this just, it's a, it was simple. The, the two games are very, very simple. And I'm not one to sometimes when you lose to overcomplicate things. I think it's as, it's as simplistic as that. You faced Barry on Saturday without your talisman, Ricky Holmes, through suspension. Mm. Will you change formation to compensate for his loss? Possibly. Possibly. We know what we're doing. The team's picked, so we know exactly what we're doing. So you've already picked the team? Yeah. yeah. Any surprises? Um, don't think don't think there'll be too many surprises because I don't think we have much many players left. <laughs> um, so, um, it is what it is. Yeah, but, but listen, uh, we know what we're going to do. Will this be the game when you hand a first start to Ben Reeves? No, he's uh, he's he's running again today. He's doing. He's uh, this is this is my fault. Obviously, me putting him into a competitive game at the beginnings. It was was stupid. It was an eagerness to get him back into the team. So that's, I will take responsibility for that. Um, but he'll he'll have to drop into some games now. Um, maybe a twenty threes game here or there. Same as Marshy. We're hoping to have. Listen, by the time we come into October. Right at the beginning of that, I'd, I'd like to think Marsh, he wouldn't be far behind Reeves either. So they're, they're probably only maybe three weeks away or two weeks away, Marshy from being back in, in the squad as well. So it's been a long time waiting, but we're, we're in the, the last stages of that. And I think once he gets, probably we've got three games in between now and, and, and the Peterborough game. But we've got to make sure that they're all ready and ready to go. But I'm sure Reeves will play a part in, the, uh, in some of the three games coming up. Have you earmarked any games for these two to start? Um... <laughs> no, because I earmarked both of them to be to be to be starting right at the beginning of the season in some ways, and that wasn't the case. So, no, we've we've got to stick to a very structured plan. It's something that um, I've done my qualifications on the grass, but I've not done my qualifications in a medical room. So that's not my it's not my remit. There's a lot more intelligent people, a lot more qualified people than me to do that. Is Ben Reeve champing at the bit? Yeah, start? yeah, frustrated. I think. Frustrated, um, but we know once he's once Asaleus is clear, Asaleus is a very unique muscle. It's not a, a muscle that you massively overly need in some ways. Some surgeons would actually take it out if you that if you could. So it's not like it's a massive danger or a structural problem that we've got. It's a very minor problem, but it's something that can be can be there all the time in some ways. So yeah, but um, he's yeah he's he's frustrated in there. He's just seen him this morning, just building up and and becoming back. And and what I, what I'm hoping because of the quality of people in the building here. I'll be seeing a better Ben Reeves than what I've seen before. 
um, because of the the infrastructure that we have at the club. So I think he's excited by seeing what he can do this year. Is he forever trying to convince you that he's ready to start? Yeah, and that's part of the problem when I play Dominique Dexter. Carl Robinson, thank you very much. So there we go, Carl Robinson chatting with Tony Hudd uh, ahead of um, Saturday's game with Berry. Now, it's, uh, Ben Reeves now has been three weeks away from from fitness for about a month because he, he told me he was three weeks away from fitness after the game against uh, Oldham when we won 4-3. If I hadn't seen him at that pre-season game, I don't know if I'd even believe he exists because <laughs> I wasn't at that checker trade or league cup or whatever it was he played in. But uh, yeah, it's taken him a while, isn't it? I wonder if Carl's just making a point with him because he made it so long to get the transfer over the line but as I say it's it's not an issue in terms of our starting lineup because Clark's performed so well but he would be a, a handy player to have on the bench particularly given our, our recent couple of games well along with him and, and Mark Marshall I mean yeah, it, it, when you look when you look to that bench we had against Gillingham on, mm. on, on Saturday you, you're not really seeing a massive change of Anything really, you know, someone, someone, someone that's going to bring something different to the field, or, or, or a bit of li- liveliness, or a bit of experience, or a bit of anything really, and and you know, having those two players back, at, at, you know, at, if and when they do actually finally come back, that's going to be huge for us. Massive, yeah. I think you look back at all three of the games we've lost. You know, Plymouth, we brought on Hackett Fairchild and Ahern Grant, um, brought on Ahern Grant against Wigan, and um, conceded straight away, and and at Gillingham, it, it was the same. We you know, and it's no discredit to those those players. And I'm not trying to dig them out, but at the moment we just don't have that that depth. Um, and it's something even at the start of the season when we finally got on air after the uh, malfunctioning computer uh, and we talked about the squad. We said, look, the squad's stronger in terms of the quality, but depth-wise, it's not that much dissimilar. And and that's how it's proven so far. Obviously, we couldn't have accounted for the Mark Marshall injury so early on in in pre-season, but. Um, yeah, we do. We do need more attacking options, particularly if we're if we're going to be this, we're going to score one more than you type team, and we can't score against Gillingham. Then you need to be able to introduce different players to try and change that up, and we haven't been able to do that so far. So, yeah, the quicker he gets fit, the better. But as you say, Carl seems to be keeping his cards close to his chest and saying it's still plenty of time. So it's funny that both. Um... Ben Reeves and our computer got injured in pre-season, yeah. but our computer got up to full fitness much quicker. Um, obviously, Ricky Holmes suspended. He picked up a, a fifth yellow card of the season against Gillingham, although the referee then, according to Carl Robinson, came out and apologised for uh, being so hasty. In, in, a, in a, you know, you can't, you, you can't appeal that. He's got, he's got a yellow card now. He's suspended. Uh, so, what do we do now? I mean, do you start Dodo on the wing? Do you start Cag on the wing? Do you go to four four two, which Carl very rarely does? But he had mentioned it in that press day. Is that bluffing? Is that what do you reckon? Uh, from a personal point of view, if they've had a week to work on it, I'd love to see them work on a four-four-two with Dodu and McGuinness and play that way. Um, and maybe with Cag on the wing. Then. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, or the other way round, um, Grant up front and Dodu on the wing. I'd love to see that. I think realistically that won't happen. I think one of those two will take over Ricky Holmes's space in a straight swap. Um, I'd be quite happy as well to to change other things around. As I say, bring uh, Aribo in in defensive mid, maybe. Bring Konza in at centre-back, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily make both to start the game. You don't want to upset things too much, but I have no harm in trying one or two of those, uh, one or other of those out. Sorry. So he's got a lot to play with. I think we need some sort of reaction. Uh, we need something to kind of fire up the eleven. because, OK, I wasn't there, but I listened to it and I've seen the highlights back and we just seemed a bit lethargic towards the end of that Gillingham game and we have played a lot of games with the same give or take the same start in 11 so Ricky Holmes is a force change and that forces Carl to make you know swap things around so if he's going to do that in one position I'd like to see him maybe do a couple of others as well uh, as I say we're coming up against a, a poor Berry team and we should have beaten Gillingham last week in my opinion and we should beat Berry this week Mm. Uh, what, how do you think the spirit in the camp is? Because if uh, if you listen to an extended clip of press day today, there was questions about you know is it all you know are people all doom and gloom amongst the fan base or amongst the, the squad and Carl's I know you know we, we've had a blip. We're not doom and gloom at all. We're positive. We've looked at what what's gone wrong over the last couple of weeks and we're going to try and pick it up again. Yeah, uh, and I agree. I think you know last Saturday at five o'clock I was doom and gloom. Uh, we've come off the back of two straight defeats, but 
realistically, if we do win at the weekend, we've won, what, six out of our first eight, is it? Or five out of our first... Oh, no, yeah. six out of our first nine, would it be? Yeah. It's a fantastic start to the season. Uh, and Terry said it on Sunday, if we hadn't lost those two games back-to-back, if they'd been a bit more spread out and you're looking at being sixth or seventh in the league... You say that's fine. Um, you know, we're not expecting miracles. We're not going to walk this league. I think that's that's very much clear. But there's no reason we can't finish the season where we are at the moment, or or even a, a place or two higher. So, for me, it's not doom and gloom. Uh, obviously, the the defeats are frustrating for two reasons: Wigan because they're the sort of team we want to be able to compete with, and Gillingham because they're the sort of team we should be brushing aside if we want to finish in the top half of the table. So, that is frustrating, but. You know, it's a wake-up call for us all because we'd started the season well, you know. We'd all been a bit, uh, you know, cocky, maybe a bit too far, but we'd all been very confident. Um, it, it's a disappointment, but every game is a chance to put those things right uh, and Berry's no different. Hmm. Now, uh, a team that hasn't started the season well is Berry. Saturday's opponents. They've hmm. only won uh, on the opening day of the season. They beat Walsall 1-0 at Gig Lane, but since then they've lost all bar two of, of their games in all competitions, including they got absolutely pumped by Rochdale last night at home. Uh, local rivals as well in sort of in uh, in the uh, Football League trophy, so the EFL trophy, checker trade. So I mm. don't think they'll be too happy about that. Right, uh, cashy back bet. Obviously Nathan's still not here this time. It was my uh, my uh, turn to choose. Uh, I managed to bet on the correct team this time, Tom. So you'll be <laughs> pleased to hear. Um, I've gone for Tariq Fosu, first goal scorer. Charlton to win by three goals to one. That's two pound fifty on at seventy to one. Uh, would win £177.50 for the Charlton Athletic Upbeats. Obviously, that's uh, my money on betting. Hopefully, if we win any money, it'll go straight to the Upbeats. Um, I, as, as always, I'd advise you not to follow our bets because we've got a 0% win record so far. Uh, gambleaway.co.uk if you're thinking of following our bets because that's madness. <laughs> uh, Tom, just quickly, let's have your your uh, prediction for Saturday's game against Barry. 2-0. Uh, to Charlton? Yes. Yeah, you're feeling confident? Confident-ish, yeah. I think we need to start quick and get that early goal. Be interesting if we yeah. don't, again, to see how the game pans out, but I think we should win. Yeah, hopefully. Well, fingers crossed. Tom, thanks for joining me on the Big Match Cheers, Preview Louis. this evening. I've Thank been you. Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live Big Match Preview myself and probably Tom and who else will be out uh, back on Sunday evening uh, to look back at whatever happens here in Maritime Radio 7 o'clock. But thanks for joining us tonight. Let's hope the Charlton get back to winning ways on Sunday. On uh, Saturday, we'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.